Okay, open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 84, verses 5, 6, and 7. If you're visiting with us at Christ Fellowship, we're so glad you're here. My name is Jamie Miller, and I'm the lead pastor of the church, and uh, been on this journey here together with a bunch of brothers and sisters for uh, 21 years, and just loving it. I leaned over to Kim, you know, we were praying during the, during the Lord's Supper time and just thanking the Lord that we get to do what we get to do, where we get to do it, and in, with the people that we get to do it with. It's a joy. It really is an honor. And uh, so we're in this little series right here at the beginning of the year. We've called this thing The Journey, and uh, because that's what life is like, and that's what the Christian life is like, and it's a great way to look at making progress and following Jesus, it's a journey, right? Last week we talked about abiding in Christ. You guys remember that? Abiding in Christ had a few practical things in it too, right? A few practical ideas along the way. So abiding in Christ is just this this idea that I'm going to, throughout the course of the day, just keep turning to the Lord inwardly and just remember Him and walk with Him and pray little prayers that nobody else has to hear, like, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I love you. Lord, you're so good. Praise be to your name. And just, just that's going on, just as an inward, and having a conversation about every new appointment. Lord, give me wisdom in this, in this phone call. Give me wisdom as I meet with this person. Lord, and sometimes you're even in the middle of something, and you know your heart starts beating faster, and you know that you need wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom right now. Help me. Help me to have your heart, your spirit's leading as I help this person in front of me. So the burden of this series, though, is that we would have uh, and create and just facilitate on-ramps for the journey. So whether you're uh, just kind of checking things out here at the beginning of the year and wanting to find out, hey, is this a church that I can connect with? We want to help you find on-ramps throughout the course of this year for getting off the service road, maybe out of the gas station on the side or whatever, and up onto the highway. Or maybe you just kind of pulled off somewhere back in there, and it's time to kind of get back going. We want to create on-ramps. That's what the journey, this message, this series is all about. And, uh, man, what a great time at the beginning of the year. It's January. I just went blank. The date is 19th. Thank you. Everybody else went blank. Um, I didn't know I was going to test you. And uh, so what a great time, though, to just go, man, I want to. Renew my walk with Jesus. Or I want to get started in a walk with Jesus. And you know what? His grace is sufficient for every single person here. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, how much you think you've messed up, how much sin you think you've been in. He can forgive it all and He is welcoming you with open arms today. That's the, what, that's the love of God. So all that stuff. And, and you may look around and think everybody's got it together. I tell you, everybody, there's people all around this room that have crazy, wild, really jacked up stories. And, and then Jesus stepped into the picture and met us. And he's good. And he can just pull us right out of the pit and just help us. Just walk alongside us. And he's just, he's like that. That's what he does. So I want to be a voice of hope, a voice of encouragement for you today, okay? Amen. So Psalm 84 I was uh, trying to figure out how to get... I, knew, I had some points, but I, I wasn't sure where I was going to get going. 
today. And then Kristen Coulter just did a great job yesterday morning in Frontline. She brought the word, and it was just, it was awesome. Where's Kristen? Um, I'm going to totally embarrass her. She's right there. She's like going, oh, Jamie, stop it. Um, but I'm uh, just thankful for her. I really, that was really encouraging. And uh, so here we go. Verse 5, Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, it's like a dry place, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion. Zion is the place, the city of God's dwelling, the city that we look forward to. You know, there's a, there's a new Jerusalem. Our hearts are filled with longing for that place. And so the blessing that's being pronounced here that I want us to see, there's a blessing that is pronounced on those who have their hearts set on the journey, who have their hearts set on pilgrimage, that it's not just something I did when I was 12 or 14 or 20 or 22, made this decision to follow Jesus. It's an ongoing decision. It's a daily decision. You know, and sometimes we get too, you know, if you got any kind of theological background at all, we get too uptight about the difference between justification, being declared right, and sanctification, this, this process of becoming more and more holy, walking with God, and really it's all just, it's, it's kind of hard to just separate the life that God's calling us to walk with Him. And so Paul says something like in Romans chapter 13, verse 11, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Well, that's awkward. You know, if it's like, you know, it's the point he's making, though, is it's a journey. Our salvation's nearer now because we're further down the journey than we were when we started. Everybody understand that? So I'm just saying, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And it does not mean that bad things won't happen, the trials and difficulties. Can I get a witness? Um, they do. And it doesn't mean that joys don't have Joys do happen. In fact, the life, because of what God's called us into, even when our trials and difficulties happen, there is a way for us to see through that with hope that He's building something deeper, perseverance, endurance. And it's like we can even find joy in the midst of the hardest times in our lives because of Jesus Christ. So this is the walk that we do. Our hearts are set on this journey. I'm not done. I'm not finished. I'm growing. Get a good look at me. I do not look the way I used to look. I look more like Jesus. I'm not arrived. I'm not there. But I'm on, on the journey. I'm in, in progress, in, in process. And uh, I was in College Station on Thursday and Friday down there for a, a board meeting. Did I just hear a, a whoop thing somewhere? It wasn't you. Okay, I'm watching. Yeah, there we go. Okay. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Denton. Nobody does. Let's give a cheer for North Texas State. You mentioned, you know, Austin, you know, and nobody starts, uh, 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 uh. you know, nobody does that. You mentioned College Station. Yeah. Okay, so I'm down there. I had a point. I'm down there, and uh, these younger guys, I mean, everybody's, the, the oldest guy's 20 years younger than me, and we're praying and worshiping, and, and uh, had a couple guys come and give me words about perseverance and endurance 
and that I've kept going, and that it's, it's, it's encouraging to them that I'm just plodding along in the game, you know. And, you know, I just want to say that the older I get, and some of us, it's, it's a young church, you know, but the older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that there are some older people around as well, you know, that have still just kept plodding along, you know, and not falling off in a ditch somewhere, because the journey, I mean, it, it's, it's hard sometimes, right? And so it's a big deal that we keep going, you know, and even though for a 23-year-old, you know, you know, having a word for me, it's like, whoa, you, you're like 50, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Let me tell you, 5-0 is not as old as it used to be. Some of y'all, preach it. You preach it now, brother. So, um, the call today, what we're talking about here is to, to say yes to the journey for us in 2014. I'm in, you know, and to say, yes, I want to be, I want my heart to be set on this kind of growth and progress and, and, and not staying where I'm at, but moving on, not content in a holy kind of way, not discontent in an unholy discord kind of way, but, but wanting more, you know, you satisfy me, you, you stir my desires and I want to make progress in this goal. And I don't always see it some days, most a lot of days are mundane. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm doing, you know, just what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not, you know, some big uh, chill bump light show kind of thing. It's just, it's just the journey. So here's the main thing today. God is calling us to growth and progress in the journey that comes through understanding, practice, and desire. So I'm going to Got a few metaphors for you today, just some helps in the journey, and it's like I think if we can use these things as pictures, they will help us be reminders throughout the course of the year, just, oh yeah, that's kind of how I grow. You know, these, each one of these things are, it's like a way to deeper understanding, a way to understand that what I practice makes a difference in my life, okay? There are virtues that we do as Christians and it's not trying to be righteous before God. It's just there's things that we do that actually help us grow. And, and then I really want to just finish pretty strong with a word on desire for us. So here we go. Uh, again, metaphors, those kinds of things, they help us move from the known to the unknown. They help, they help me move from what I, I, I understand right now in my experience to out beyond that by creating a bridge. That's what a metaphor is. So here we go. Let's talk about a map, first of all. Jesus, throughout the gospel, says, come, follow me. He's saying, follow me. You know, Matthew, leave that thing, come follow me. You know, uh, Peter, James, uh, Peter, Andrew, and John, he says, you know, leave your nets, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. So that's this constant theme from Jesus. So there is a journey that we see Jesus leading people on, leading us on. And it's a journey that is the Christian life. Uh, Paul, just take any one of the letters, but take Ephesians, let's say. Ephesians maps out a journey. 
And it starts, Ephesians 1 to 3, kind of says, okay, this is what it's all about. This is what's going on. And Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 says, and this is how you do it. This is how you get there. In a lot of the letters, they're structured like that. This is what's going on, and this is how you do the, the journey. Does that make sense? So remember that when you look at the letters of the New Testament. This is what's going on, and this is how you do it. That's, and it's not always exact, but it's, it's close. You get to the practical things. It's like a sermon. You know, I'm going to tell some things here, and then we're going to finish with some practical stuff. Um, I hadn't thought of that. But um, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity, reading some Lewis lately, and uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity talks about the experience of standing at the ocean. How many of you guys ever been to the ocean, stood on a beach? And, you know, there, until you've done that, until you've actually done that, if I could stand up and describe the waves and the crashing of the, the thunderous waves, the, the, the shore washing up on your, the water washing up on your feet, sand in your toes, I could describe it in a way that might, you know, encourage you, but is it as good as being there? No way. It's, it's just, it's lesser than the actual experience of standing there going, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And the wind is in your hair, and this is, this is wonderful. But, you know, the thing is, when, what I'm experiencing is kind of only what I can see. And I don't know what the bigger thing looks like. Just because I've been to the beach in Virginia doesn't mean I can now say, I know the coastline of the eastern part of the United States. I can say I've seen a little piece of it. And that's where Lewis points out that we need a map. A map helps us to learn from people that have gone before us. We learn from their experience what that coastline looks like. If we were going to try to get to England from Virginia, you know, we would have to look at a map and learn from all the people that have gone before us. They've mapped out where the rocky places are, where the deep places and the shallow places and all that kind of stuff. So. There's the experience of the beach, and then there's the map, which actually helps us go to another level. It helps us, go, but it's, it's a lesser experience. But he's still tracking. So what that's like in the Christian journey is I've experienced a certain amount of the Lord at this point in my life. But if I want to know more, then I need to learn from Jesus. I need to open the Scriptures and actually digest what's going on in the Bible. I need to learn from other people around me that have walked the journey, maybe just in different ways or maybe longer than me, those kinds of things. I need to learn from the saints of the past who have gone before me, gone before us. We've been talking a lot lately in the last couple of years about Athanasius, a guy from the 4th century, you know, learning from this guy who wrote the Nicene Creed at about 20 years old. He had some things going on. He was he had some insight from God, you know. And then the rest of his life basically was, was clarifying some things about the person of Jesus Christ who reveals the Father, Son, and Spirit. It is such a foundational time in the history of the church. It's important for us to know and to learn and to understand that map from the past so that we can make progress in the journey. But here's the thing. The map is not the territory. So... Even though I need a map, I also need to grow in understanding the territory myself. You know, I realized I was driving down to, uh, I was thinking about this and driving down to College Station on, on Thursday morning, and I realized 
It was the first time I hadn't really gotten out my phone and used the GPS and looked at a map. For the first time, I knew the territory all the way down there. And I didn't need a map in order to make it down there. Does that make, now, is that communicating what I'm saying? So, so there's experience, and I start learning things about the Lord in my own experience. And then I need a map to kind of, even though it's lesser, it helps me to go further. But then as I start to digest what I'm learning, it becomes my experience. And I start to know the territory, not just looking at the map. Tracking. So that's a huge metaphor. We want to grow by looking at the map, but we want to internalize and get inside of us understanding about the territory itself so that we're not constantly, uh, go over here, go over here. I mean, at times, you could be dangerous trying to follow your GPS, you know, trying to follow the map, right? Because you don't know the territory. So God wants us to use the map, but also grow in our understanding and knowledge of the territory, okay? So that's the first metaphor. Um, make sense? Okay. So help for the journey, number one. That's a bridge, is a map. Number two, second piece, is you need some clothes. At one level, you say, that's kind of funny. Um, you do need clothes, but I... I particularly want to touch on it in a, a special way, the need for clothes. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. Paul says, therefore, so this is one of those where he starts making it practical at the end of the letter. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, so here we are in the journey, and I'm talking about something that's also a big deal, and that is that there's some stuff that we have to do uh, along the way. Okay, so you don't just put on Christ without practice. It actually takes some practice. How many of you guys thought this morning, right now, just just thinking back, you got dressed this morning? Did you think about how you got dressed? Probably not many of us thought about how we got dressed. Okay? But it wasn't always that way. You know? You didn't just, get, you didn't just come out of the womb putting on the shirt and buttoning up the, the deal. You know? And uh, by the way, I know that some of you guys are thinking, how I got dressed. I did think about what I got dressed in. And it took a couple trips in and out of the closet maybe to figure that one out. But, but I'm talking about how, not, not what. And, um, and I, that's not like a personal reference to our own house or anything. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so, so how? Think about this. When you're a little kid, you have to be apprenticed in getting dressed. If I were to give an 18-month-old a button-up shirt, that's not going to go just real well, or a, t a turtleneck. You know, there's multiple holes that, you know, a sleeve or a, a neck or a, just a bodysuit. You know, there's lots of different options, right, for an 18-month-old to do with a turtleneck. You have to be apprenticed in tying your shoes. You have to be apprenticed in, in getting the right sleeve in. You have to be apprenticed in getting the right shoe on the right foot. 
Um, just all those, those are learning opportunities so that as we, we practice those things and somebody, I can remember mom and dad or one of them holding my fingers, you know, and making me do the right, to do the right thing to tie my shoes. And uh, it's awkward. Or my dad coming around behind me and, and breathing on my neck and showing me, any guys relate to this experience? And, and he's doing it and he's kind of, and then the, the shirt goes, and eyes start popping out, you know, and the necktie gets, gets on. And so we have to be apprenticed in that kind of thing. So that's the way it is in, uh, with virtue in the things that we practice as growing in the journey. So, you know, I, I've grown in compassion, but I didn't jump into the new life in Christ with compassion just flowing in my life. You know, I, like Paul says, clothe yourselves. You have to learn. There's some learning how to do that. Compassion, gentleness, kindness, humility, patience, those things. They, we grow in those graces. And uh, uh, so I can be apprenticed and, and do practices that help me with virtue. Or, over here, I can be apprenticed and do things that help me or hurt me with vice. Things that I should not be doing. But we're going to end up doing what we're so... Uh, we are way more tactile and, and uh, we think that if we just get it in our heads, we're gonna, we've got it. But that's not the way it works. I can read about it, but I get it way better when I'm actually doing it. When I'm with somebody, doing discipleship, going out, you know, when I'm in our life group. You know, our life group the other night, we just had a time of waiting on the Lord. And, and I don't know that we've done a bunch of that, but it was like, man, we were like, prophesying over one another t together, and it was good, you know, and it went to a deeper level than me just going, and in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, eagerly desire prophecy above all the other gifts, because it builds up the church. Now you've got it. Leave and go in peace. It's much better to actually try to do some of it and get our hands dirty and mess around like, uh, I just feel like the Lord's saying, you know, and we try something. We try it, and it's good. Everybody tracking? So that's, that's, that's putting on clothes and buttoning. I couldn't do that again if I tried. I literally just knocked the battery cover off and, and uh, stopped the mic. Okay, so the third thing, the third thing, help for the journey, a map, some clothes, and a menu. Now, this one may be a little bit harder to connect, um, but when you see it, you'll understand what I'm saying. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, what is a menu? A menu is something that we look at that helps us decide what we want. You go into the restaurant, and they give you a menu. And you're supposed to look at that thing, and you're supposed to decide, what do I want? What do I want to eat? And so on the journey of walking with Christ, it's really important that we have a menu in front of us that is constantly reminding us, what do we actually desire? It's a really big deal. Because 
Again, just like our practices help shape the way we live and what we learn and how we do things, our desires are maybe even more powerful. You know, when I want to get to know somebody, I don't necessarily say, hey, tell me all the things you know. I might say, hey, Joe, tell me what, what do you want in life? What do you want to see happen in your life? That's going to tell me more about his direction and where he's going than just the books that he's read. Does that make sense? So there's a guy named uh, James K.A. Smith, Jamie Smith, and uh, I was listening to a message of his a few days ago, and, and uh, he was talking about this desire thing. And he said, imagine, imagine that we were like Martians who had come uh, to Earth to figure out about what humans were like. And so we wanted to do a sociological experiment and find out about religion and worship. And so we go to uh, this gigantic building. It's got colonnades, and there's, it, we know it's a big deal because there's a parking lot all the way around the entire massive structure. And there's people streaming in, you know, excited about getting in there. And, there, and you go inside, and you walk around, and, and you see that there's lots of different chapels and, and, and things along the way, and people are calling you in, and they help you to see what all is inside their particular little thing. And, and, uh, but only later do we realize that what we're actually at isn't a temple, but it's the mall. But a mall is a great metaphor for looking at what causes people to get their desires stirred up and what we move toward. We are moving towards something all the time. And so this desire thing, the menu that you're looking at is absolutely huge. You know, it can be, you can be being shaped by, uh, the, the deal is, the mall, it's like, it promises something all the time. It's trying to, you know, it's always, you buy something and it's going to meet that need. But it doesn't, it's, it doesn't do it, does it? So, the mall as temple. Hmm. That's interesting. But uh, so you've got TV, you've got advertising, you've got all these things that are constantly pulling at us, pulling and shaping our desires, right? Um, uh, and it's so powerful on the journey. Uh, here's how powerful this is. The other day, the other day we were in our staff meeting and uh, we had a little time of prayer. And we just waited on the board for a, a word for the person to the left of us. And so I'm uh, sitting there, and we'd gone around, and I was the last one to go. And, and Brian Brush had a word for me. And he said, okay, Jamie, you know, it's just, just I really got this psalm for you real strong. First eight verses, Psalm 63. And I just chuckled. I was like, really? Psalm 63? Well, I said, do you know me and my history with that psalm? He goes, No. And I said, okay, well, uh, and he read the, the passage over me, and I said, that psalm, that psalm, when I was first getting into ministry, I had a hero, but his name was Mike Cope, and I really looked up to him, and I wrote him a letter one day, and just like, I really, I'm so thankful for you and your teaching, and it's just helping me so much, and Mike wrote me back, and this great letter of encouragement and stuff, and new guy in the ministry and all that kind of stuff, and he signed his name Mike Cope, Psalm 63. And I was like, Psalm 63, what, what's that one about? You know, didn't know. And, and, uh, and, and that psalm became, and so for 20 years, 20, it's 25 years ago when that happened, 
25 years, I signed my letters, Jamie Miller, Psalm 63. Sometimes I'll do a few other verses. You might have gotten letters from me. But, but uh, Psalm 63, and it goes like this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. This kind of, some of these lines were from the Satisfy song, by the way. Or Satisfy song got some lines from this. <laughs> Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. And with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you and I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Now, do you hear how many desire things are in that one psalm? How many uh, tactile, uh, doing stuff things are in that one psalm? How much understanding of seeking God is in that one psalm? You know, and, and I, so I, I was talking with Brian. I said, that's amazing. And knowing where I was going, you know, like that's, I felt like the Lord was really saying, hey, be sure and draw everybody's attention uh, to that. So desires, they're constantly being shaped, and it gets back to the practice stuff. What we do is shaping and helping, helping to uh, arrange what is most uh, powerful. The doing that we do is so powerful. Last Sunday afternoon, Kim and I left pretty quickly after the service and drove out to East Texas uh, for a funeral. It was a cross-culture experience, um, to say the least, being with all of her family and just, uh, you know, East, East Texas uh, cowboy kind of church. And uh, so, but, but there was so much reflection, and Kim loved this great aunt that died. And she just, I mean, people just went on and on. This lady loved Jesus. You know, first guy, stand, there was four pastors. Can you imagine how long the service went? It was long. Standing room only. I'm standing at the back. And, uh, and so, but he said, you know, this woman was, you know, we're all, if you're in Christ, you're a saint. But this woman was a saint. And uh, Kim got to see her live her faith out and life out. And Kim told me on the way back, she said, uh, she said, as a girl, I wanted to love and serve my husband when I grew up the way I saw Lila Lee loving and serving her husband. You know, and so that became this powerful impression that was formed you know, in her life about what she wanted to do because she saw it in action. And so what we look at, what we focus on, we tend to kind of move that way, don't we? Um, think about then the power of moving our bodies. You know, in prayer, we talked about this last week, but when I, when I move my body and engage my body, it helps me to pray. When I uh, move my body in worship sometimes, it helps me to worship. It could be kneeling, just or, or putting my head down and just, Lord just with intensity, or, or lifting my hands in praise to God. You know, all those things are moving our bodies. In fact, I would just want to say about worship itself, we, uh, most of us, we probably underestimate, underestimate the power of what happens when we're together. 
how our lives get scripted in new ways. We move toward the things that we, we, we give time to and space to. So the worship of God is this powerful thing. It's not just you're checking off a box and, and coming here on a Sunday to be with brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a huge, uh, it's a huge desire-setting thing that happens in our lives. I mean, with our kids, it's, a, it's mind-blowing what has happened just by just them being raised up in an environment where worship looked like this and where they were being modeled by people that really loved the Lord and were worshiping. So you've got worship, you've got baptism. What a powerful symbol and, and visual picture of someone uh, dying with Christ and being raised to live a new life forever. Or the Lord's Supper, that where we remember the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, that His body was broken for us on the cross, that His blood was shed there for us, and that we connect. We, these are powerful, uh, visual things that the church has found deep value in for all of these years, 2,000 years of, of church history. Absolutely amazing. Using our words in prayer. The difference between a think prayer and a verbal prayer is a big deal. Okay, guys that have, and I'm not calling anybody out, but, but we, our minds wonder. We, we start praying and, and uh, what am I going to do at 3.30? It's, it's sort of a prayer. It's a prayer. It's, Dear Father, and before long we're in a meeting that it's not really prayer. And so it helps us to actually open our mouths and start saying words out loud to God. And I don't know what words to say. Then get Psalm 63, take those first eight verses, and just pray a phrase, just, Oh God, you are my God. And just stay there for a while and say some things about, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Maybe that's not where you're at right now, but God, make that a prayer. Lord, I want to earnestly seek you. Stir my heart, stir my desires for the right things. Um, baptism, Lord's Supper, worship, uh, anointing with oil. We just did uh, uh, Pam Smith, you know, had this horrible uh, injury in a McDonald's uh, a month or so ago and just had surgery recently. And uh, she called the, the elders to anoint her with oil. That's James 5, right? Someone's sick, call the elders, get them to anoint with oil. There's mystery there. I don't know what all happens when we do the anointing, but faith rises in my heart. Faith rises in their heart. God moves and people are touched. You know, um, laying hands on people. We just did some, a couple of different prayers and ministry. There, there's something powerful. You know, it's, it's a basic thing, Hebrews 6 says, but there's something powerful about laying hands on, on people in prayer that releases blessing and that it's a sign of identification with them and what's going on with them and that we're expressing love to them. You know what happened with me? You know, there was a time when I found that Jesus Christ was the superior treasure to all other things that had been dragging me down. And when I discovered that, my life changed. I'd been going one way, and I'd been, been being apprenticed in vice, and I was learning those, I was learning how to do that stuff pretty well, you know? And then all of a sudden, I met Jesus Christ, and my life radically changed because He became better and I desired him more positively. Not, and I, I, there was a negative thing. I didn't want to do that stuff, but not wanting to do that stuff wasn't winning. 
I wasn't winning the day by going, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, 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 I don't want to do that thing right there. And that's, that's kind of how it works. Versus, versus getting my eyes off of that and going, Jesus, you are awesome. You, in you is contained the world, the universe, our lives, our very breath. You are holding it all together by the word of your power. You are unsearchably rich. I want you, Jesus. You are awesome. And, and that became smaller and less. And, and I could, be, could begin to see it as I feasted on the filet mignon. I could begin to see the nasty, rancid, maggot-filled meat that I'd been eating over here. Does that make sense? Good. But that's what it is. That's what that stuff's like, you know, in our lives. And so, you know, holiness and living this life, it's way more about desire for the superior treasure than it is walking around going, no, 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 no. It's teaching our kids, not just no, 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 but find Jesus. Come, come learn from me as I share my love for Jesus Christ with you. And you come alongside others in the body of Christ and learn about their love for Jesus as well. Uh, John, uh, excuse me, C.S. Lewis said, you know, it's not that our desires are too strong. Our desires are too weak. You know, what I'm talking about here is stir up desire for Jesus so that you can do the journey. Put yourself in places that stir up your heart that stir the right passions for God. You know, and so he says it's not that we, we desire him too much and we desire him too little. You know, we're in the backyard making mud pies and God wants to take us on a holiday at the beach. He wants us to see the ocean. He wants us to experience that and we're over here being satisfied with this little thing. He wants to stir our hearts this year to go for it in him. That's what God wants for us. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, on the journey. The experience of it, you know, that I want to experience Him. I want to learn from the map, but I also want to learn the territory so that I know it. And I'm not just walking around all the time with my head in a book, but I know how to live the life with God, the experience of it, the practice of it, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience, kindness, all of those things. I want to learn how to do that stuff, putting on the, the, the clothes, being able to get dressed, learning the virtue of compassion, learning the virtue of kindness, learning the virtue of patience, you know? And in all those things, it's not the thing you need as much as Jesus. It's not more patience you need, it's, it's more of Him. And we learn more of Him and His life being seen in us as we practice those things and get out you know, in situations that make us impatient. I was about to blow a gasket Tuesday. I've been two days working on this trip thing, a pastoral visit to Thailand, and I just, even the final last little run on the runway, it was just, it was, I needed God, you know, and I, it was like I was breaking down and just, I was leading worship at Life Group in just a few minutes, and I was like, man, I, I am just in a crummy mood. I'm impatient right now. And I probably wasn't saying it that, that nicely. Kim comes in and says, how's your day? <laughs> She's bouncing, you know. And, and I was like, rawr, 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 Korean air. And, <laughs> Little road. I was just frustrated, you know. And go to life group, man, and everything just gets rearranged. 
The presence of God has a way of of doing that for us. So practice and desire. Waking up to what what motivates us, you know. And again, I said I was, this is about on-ramps. What are some of the on-ramps for us? You know, some of it, it, it's, it's Sundays, but it's not, it's not the checklist. It's not you're doing something in order to be righteous. You know, it's, I, I realize that Sunday stirs my desire for God. Sunday's worship stirs my love for Jesus. It's like looking at the right menu, you know, and it's helping my kids to see that very practically. I want my kids, you know, now they're grown up, um, but I want my kids, as, as we've got young, a lot of young guys, little guys in this church, we want them to grow up seeing, like, like Emily grew up seeing Todd Knight love Jesus Christ. You know, just this brother loving to worship Jesus Christ, loving God. That's, you know, as, a, as an uncle, as a second dad, you know, she, she grew up seeing that. She grew up seeing Pam Smith love to pray, really pray. You know, a woman who is devoted to, the, to the, the, this intercession thing. You know, that's important. It stirs desire. It teaches us how to do the life. Learning to give, have compassion, serve the poor, learning to be broken, uh, serve, all those different things. And again, I just want to say, blessed are those who have set their hearts on the journey, on pilgrimage. Not because there's not going to be hard times. There will not because, you know, uh, we're not going to stumble along the way. We will. But the promise is that the dry valley becomes a place of springs because His life in us releases living water wherever we're at, you know. And so this is what we want this year. Stand up. Man, just I'm believing for us for 2014 for this to be our experience. If I get the ministry team to come on up, worship team, come on up. We're on a journey, and we want to see these things happen in our lives. And uh, the journey for you, you may go, man, I want this. I want to grow. I want understanding. I want to grow in practice. I want to grow in desire. But I feel this hindrance, this barrier, this challenge in my life. And here, here's what I want to say. Get someone to pray for you. Don't, don't leave without getting help. If you're feeling a boundary, a, a wall in between you and God's destiny for your life, get someone to pray for you. I mean, this could be the greatest year in the presence of God ever, and why not believe for that? This could be the greatest year of making progress on the journey. Why not believe for that? So let's, let's get some help in prayer. You know, whatever your need is, wanna just, there's, there's some people up here at the front uh, for prayer. But I also want to say, if you're... Not on the, you're not on the highway right now. You need to take the on-ramp to start this journey with Jesus. Just find somebody, come up front or find somebody close by and say, hey, I need you to pray for me. And there'll be people, you'll see it, there'll be people praying all over in just a minute. Just something we do here. It's not coming up front doesn't mean you're worse than anybody else. We could all say, I need help in the journey, right? So, Lord, help us. We want to grow. We want to move forward into this year like never before. In Jesus' mighty name, whatever your need is, come. If you need prayer for healing, finances, breakthrough in your life, come and get some prayer.